0: Well, good morning. Beautiful day in the Lord, isn't it? Amen. Amen. Can't beat this uh, winter weather. I'm kind of think those that go to Florida don't have too much on us. You know, it might be a few twenty degrees warmer down there, but it's been sunshine and warm here, hasn't it? What's the difference between being plastic and real? Outside the fact that one is alive and one isn't. Somebody, somebody, talk. What's the difference between being plastic and real? I got a plastic plant and a real plant up here, okay? What's the difference between plastic and real? One's alive and one's dead. We got, we got that. One's alive, yeah, we got that. Now what else? What other differences are there? Part? Okay, the plastic one can't grow, can it? No responsibilities, right? It collects dust, right? They look good as long as you dust them, right? What else? Huh? Fake? One's fake and one's real? Anything else? Yeah, you got to take care of this one, don't you? You got to do some stuff for it, don't you? you got to put some water and fertilizer and sunlight and those kind of things, right? Okay, one reproduces, one doesn't, right? Anything else? Any differences? Well, plastic can't die, and the real one can, right? This one always looks nice, I guess, if you like dusty plastic plants. And this one, well, you can tell it's a little droopy, right? It needs water, yeah, well. Somebody forgot to water it. I won't tell you who it was. And these really don't smell good These can, right? If they've got the flowers on them and everything, right? Uh, one risks living. Another one really has no risk to it at all, right? When you risk living, I mean, your blossoms can drop off, uh, those kind of things, right? But it can smell good. It can it, it actually, you know, green plants actually cleanse the air. Those that are alive get a chance to thrive. But when you do that, it's a risk—a risk of growth, a risk of change, a risk of death, a risk of losing your blossoms or leaves, right? And I've been thinking about how plastic lives can become, how Jesus can become plastic in our lives a little bit if we're not careful, you know. You ever think about plastic—we become. We do all these kind of things to cover up who we really are. I mean, for example, it, it, you know, sometimes we like we like to wear baggy clothes because it makes us look thinner than we are. You know, if you wear stripes this way, it makes you look taller. Did you know that? If you wear stripes this way, it makes you look another way. You know what's that? We might drive a car that we really can't afford because people think we're more successful than we really are. And, you know, people even have a surgery that's called what? That changes their face. Plastic surgery, right? You can have plastic surgery so you can have a plastic face, right? Think about that. And sometimes I think we like being plastic because it's kind of safer, right? Because if we're plastic, we really can't be hurt. We literally don't need that kind of care in our life. Uh, we can feel like we always look good, right? We can feel like you know, that I don't want to expect in my life. But the plastic life is just an existence. It's not life. Really, is it? Being real is much harder. Because being real means I have to take risks. Being real means I risk. You know what? I can lose a leaf, can't I? That can happen in a a real life. But we can grow. We can change. And we can be more than we are when we're alive. And I'm convinced a thriving life only comes from Jesus Christ. So this morning, we're going to have one scripture to look at. We're going to open your Bibles to the Gospel of John. We're going to look about four different places where Jesus talks about life. Okay? And see what it means to, to really live, to, to thrive in life with him. First one's going to be John 4. And here Jesus is at the well of Samaria. He's talking to this, to this, this woman. And she comes through doing the, the, the heat of the day because she doesn't want anybody else to see her. Okay? She doesn't want to meet anybody because she's had a life that's not been good. And in John 4, verse 10, Jesus says to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. John four eleven. Sir, the woman says, you have nothing to draw with and this well is deep. Where are you going to get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself as did some of his flocks and his herds? Jesus answered, "Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life." So Jesus is having this conversation with this woman about life, she's kind of struggling with life because, you know, if you know the story, she's had she's just had this relationship with men, five husbands, and she's living with a guy now. And Jesus begins to talk to her about a relationship with God he says, he's not really just talking about regular water that makes the plants alive that this one obviously needs. He's talking about a water that comes into our hearts and our lives that makes us live. In fact, in the book of Jeremiah, it says, My people have committed two sins. They've forsaken me, the spring of living water. So he's talking about himself. God is that living water that he's offering us, this relationship with him that makes us alive and thrive. The problem is the woman... She all, gets, all she can hear is about this ease of life. I'd like to have this water you give, so I never have to come back to the well anymore. I just don't want to meet people, you know. I just don't want to come and, and see anybody, because they know the kind of lifestyle I've had. So would you just give me that water that I don't have to come here anymore? She wants it easy. Now, let me kind of read in that a little bit. That's, a, that's that's kind of religion that we want is easy. We want a religion that's easy. That's comfortable. That's safe. That's plastic. Jesus came to make us alive. It's a relationship with his Father that he changes our lives from the inside out. And when that happens, you can't live in a plastic relationship anymore. You have to deal with things in your life to be alive. Because in the rest of the story, Jesus says, go call your husband. (laughs) He says, we're going to deal with the plastic part of your life. That's what happens. To be alive, you have to let Jesus deal with the plastic parts of your life. Because you can't have a relationship if you're plastic. And being alive is hard. It hurts. There's a children's book called The Velveteen Rabbit. You ever seen that book? I'm going to read you a part of that book because it, it really speaks to this. The skin horse had lived longer in the nursery than any of the others. He was old, and his brown coat was bald in patches, and it showed seams underneath, and some of the hairs of his tail had been pulled out to make bead necklaces. He was wise, for he'd seen a long succession of mechanical toys arrive, boast, or swagger, and by and by make, break their mainsprings and pass away. He knew they were only toys, and they would never turn into anything else. But nursery magic is strange and wonderful. And only those playthings that are old and wise and experienced like the skin horse understand what it's all about. What is real? Asked the rabbit one day. they laying side by side in the nursery before Nana came to tidy the room. Does it mean having things buzz inside of you and a stick out handle? Real isn't how you're made, said the skin horse. It's a thing that happens to you. When a child loves you for a long, long time, not just to play with, but really loves you, you become real. Does it hurt? Asked the rabbit. Sometimes, said the skin horse, for he's always truthful. But when you're real, you don't mind being hurt. Does it happen all at once, or like being wound up or bit by bit? It doesn't happen at once, said the skin horse. You become. It takes a long time. That's why it doesn't always happen to people who break easy or have sharp edges or have to be carefully kept. Generally, by the time you're real, most of your hair has been loved off. Your eyes droop out. You get loosened joints and very shabby. But these things don't matter because once you're real, you can't be ugly. I think there's some truth in that. When Jesus offers us life, it changes us, you know. And He wants us to be real Christians, to be honest. He doesn't want us to hide behind some kind of plastic Jesus and put on a plastic smile and pretend like our plastic life is good because it looks good. There's times we get broken, we get wounded, we get hurt. But Jesus wants us to really live in Him. And sometimes it hurts. But to become real, you have to risk being hurt, don't you? Just a chapter over in John 5. Jesus says, I tell you the truth, verse 24, 25, and 26. John 5, 24. I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes on him who sent me, has eternal life and will not be condemned. He's crossed over from death to life. I tell you the truth, the time is coming and now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so also does the Son have life in himself. You see, Jesus says, here's my word and believes on him him who sent me, has eternal life. And and the idea of eternal life is something that's vibrant. It's living. It's something that you have right now. You have a vibrant, living life in Jesus right now. Okay? Because of Jesus, you can be more alive than ever before. And it doesn't come from stuff. It doesn't come from money. It doesn't come from your house. It doesn't come from your job it comes from Jesus Christ living in you you have that right now that vibrant refreshing thriving life in Jesus that's enough to make a shout I think you know because he says you've passed from death unto life I wish I had some way to make my plastic plants live you know, But really, only Jesus can take that which is dead and make it alive again. I've I really come to realize God specializes in resurrections. It's a wonderful truth, isn't it? That you have life right now. We can let go of a plastic faith. We can go, let go of a plastic life. We can let go of this lifestyle and say, God, I'm willing to whisk, risk it. I'm willing, Jesus, to try this. You know what? If a, I, I broke this leaf off of this plant, right? It's, nothing's going to happen to it. It's going to wither and die. What's going to happen to the plant? It's going to regrow, right? It's been wounded, but because it's alive and thriving, well, not thriving yet, but it will one of these days, okay, believe me, it can regrow another leaf, right? This summer, when I put it out in the sunlight, it'll actually get blossoms on. Where we we're at in our house, we don't have a good window to get sunlight. But I've stuck it out in the sun every summer, and it blossoms. Okay? And that, that can happen. Now, if I break something off of these, what's going to happen? It's broke. Right? It's done. It, you, it won't regrow a leaf. Plastic plants don't regrow plastic leaves. You understand that? Don't you? Okay, just want to make sure you knew that. And if we have some type of plastic relationship with God and we get broken, we just kind of carry it around with us the rest of our lives. We kind of feel beat up and broken and wounded. Where God says, no, wait a second, let me work in your life. Let me help you because I want to regrow what's been broken off. I want to change that wound in your life. I want to bring good out of bad. He can do that, right? Remember the story of Joseph in the Old Testament? Remember, Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers because they were jealous of him, right? And he gets sold, you know, to Mr. Potiphar and gets lied about by Mrs. Potiphar and, and he gets thrown in jail and forgotten about for about, you know, 15 to 17 years. He's this just nothing person. And then finally, because of a dream that, that, the, that, that the cupbearer had, you know, he's brought out and made the, the number two guy in Egypt because he can interpret the dream of Pharaoh, It's like, wow. And then he saves his family because there's this famine that happens in the land. And he saves his whole family, right? And they show up and don't recognize him. And if he was a guy that was plastic, he would have gotten even with him. Ah, you guys sold me into slavery? Didn't like it? Now I got your right heart. He didn't do that. He provided for his family. He took care of them. He let them have a place where they could live in in the land of Goshen. And twice he says, You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. You understand that? That's alive. The world may treat us in evil ways. The world may come along and break a leaf off of our lives. And we think that's terrible. But God means it for good. When we're real, we say, Okay, and what God's going to do with this broken leaf in my life... I don't know how, he, how he's going to handle this, but I know something good's going to happen, right? Hmm. Kind of like this little girl was just begging for a horse. She just wanted a horse so bad, and Dad said, "You can't have a horse. We don't have any place to put it. Nothing we can. Eat. I'm sorry, you can't have a horse." Well, Dad was working in the backyard, and he was kind of working on his grass, trying to get it to grow. And he got some straw and spread around. And he found some horse manure to spread around on it, you know. And the little girl goes out there. And she looks at all this straw. Smells of horse manure. And it smells from because she's been in stables. And she starts going through the straw like this. Dad says, what are you doing, sissy? Well, she says, with all of this straw and this horse manure, there's got to be a pony around here somewhere. <laughs> right? That's what somebody that's alive does, right? Well, with all this straw and horse manure, God must be going to be doing something really wonderful in my life soon. I can't wait to see what it'll be. In John chapter 6, verse 35, one more chapter over. 6.35, Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. He who believes in me will never be thirsty. He just fed the crowd, and they were following him, wanting food, food, food. And he says, wait, you don't get it. You have to be nourished in me. I am the bread that gives you life. And the word life is is zoe. So we get the word zoology from it. It really speaks about an aliveness, again, a vibrant and victorious life that Jesus gives us. It's a thriving life. I am the bread that gives you a thriving, vibrant life. I give you the nourishment you need to grow. As one of my children. Now, that's another thing. If I put fertilizer on my plastic plants and I put fertilizer on my living plant, what's the difference? The plastic, it doesn't, it's not, it's not going to do anything to my plastic plant, right? But this one, it nourishes it and strengthens it, right? Helps it to grow. So if I put, if I put a, a, you know, a Job stick here and a Job stick there, it's going to make a difference just to one of them and that's the one that's alive. That's Jesus' point. I'm the bread that gives you life. Nourish your life in me. Come to know me in a better and richer way. Read my word. Pray to me. Worship me. Grow in me. Know me better. Don't just know about me. Know my heart. Know my passion. Know my burdens. Know my love. Know my peace. Know my joy. And when you do that, I will nourish your life and you'll thrive. That's what He wants. What he offers us. That kind of aliveness in us. John 9. Go over t- three more chapters. John 9, verse 1. And as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. Verse 2. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind. He said, Neither this man nor his parents sinned. Jesus said, But this happens so the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, put it on the man's eyes. Go, he said, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. Here's a man who's got a wound in his life, that's been there since birth. Okay? It's been there. In fact, he's never seen before. And Jesus said, this is so the work of God can be done in his life. Hear that? This guy was born blind so the work of God could be done in his life. We sit there and scratch our head and say, really, God, that doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem right. Why would you let this guy be born blind? Because Jesus says, I want to teach you some things about life. We are all blind in some ways. You know that, don't you? We are blind at times to the hand of God. We are blind at times to what God wants to do. We're blind at times to how God wants to work in our life or this situation or whatever. We can't see, and the plastic people just get upset and 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 mad. And, well, I don't like God's doing this, but I don't care. I, I'm just mad at God. And I'm not going to go to church and read my Bible anymore. Christianity doesn't work. Ever had people tell you that? You want know a real does? They let Jesus make mud pie out of the dirt and spread it on their eyes. Think about that. Why didn't Jesus just kind of put his hand on the guy and say, open your eyes? He had to go. He got down the dirt. He spit on the ground. And he makes some mud and puts it on this guy's eyes. Then sends him to this pool so he can go wash it off so he can see. You know, other people, he just let them open their eyes. But this guy he had, he had this process. Sometimes for us there's a process, isn't there? Jesus says, will you let me make your life a little messy right now? You have that deep wound in your life, will you let me smear a little mud on it? Because I have a purpose in it. And then I'm going to have you do something for me. I want you to go where I tell you to go. I want you to get down on your knees and reach down in this water and just put it up on that wound in your heart. And let me wash it away. People that are alive... Say, okay, Jesus. I don't know why it's got to be that way. But okay. People that are plastic say, no way, Jose. Not going to happen. Two other places before we're done this morning. John 11. John 11, 25 and 26. This is a story... Of Jesus who was a friend with a family named Lazarus and Mary and Martha. They sent word to him, said, come, my brother's dying. Lay your hands upon him. He might be well. Lazarus dies. He gets there four days after he's been dead. And they're upset because Jesus wasn't there in time to heal their brother. As they're walking to the tomb, Jesus tells Martha this. He said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. And he that believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? You see, some of the hardest moments in our life is when our plant starts to die. And we don't know why. We don't know what to do. And we feel like we prayed and prayed and prayed and Jesus didn't answer. Or he says, wait a minute, or a day, or a month, or a year, or a decade. And we know he could do it. We know he could fix it, but he's he's saying, wait. Wait. How many of you like waiting? I don't either. It seems like every time I'm in a hurry, I get behind somebody that's just out enjoying the day. Every time I'm enjoying the day, somebody gets behind me that's in a hurry. You ever notice that? Waiting's tough. And he made Mary and Martha wait until Lazarus was dead and in the tomb four days before he came. As they're walking to the tomb, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe it? He asks us the same question, you know. It's dying. It's shriveling. You've watered it. You've put the fertilizer on it. You've given it sunlight and still nothing's happening. He says, I can make it live again. Do you believe it? At that moment, we have to say yes or no, don't we? Plastic. Well, they get upset because you know God just didn't work it out the way they thought God should. Real struggles with it. Because they feel that droopiness and that deadness and that dryness and that emptiness. But they say, Yes, Lord, I believe you are the Christ, the Son of the Living God. And you walk with him to the tomb. You stand there and listen to him say, okay, let's, uh, let's move the stone. You think, but God, he's been dead for four days. I mean, there's a stench there. You, you can't seriously mean that. It makes no sense, Jesus. Didn't I say if you only believed you would see the power of God, roll the stone away. And we have a choice, don't we? Plastic people say, it's too late, he's dead, he's gone, oh, forget about it. Real people say, okay, makes no sense to me. I don't understand it. Guys, let's roll that stone out of there. Can you imagine the smell that came out of him tomb when they rolled away? Woo! You know? But it's the real people hear Jesus say, Lazarus, come forth. It's the real ones that see Lazarus step out of the tomb. Alive! Because Jesus does that. One last place, John 12, verses 23 through 25. Jesus replied, The hour come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Interesting passage, isn't it? You want to live? Die. Very simple. That's what Jesus did, you know. Jesus became real to redeem that which was plastic, that the plastic might become real. Jesus shed his blood upon the cross to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse us, and to give us life eternal. But in order for that to happen, he had to die so that we might live. He says, you want to follow me? Hear me. You must die also. If you seek to save your life, you're going to lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you'll find it. You'll have life that you've never, never had before. You'll be more alive than you've ever experienced before. You'll rejoice in every day. You'll celebrate the love of your father and the peace of relationship that you've never had before. Because I live, you will live also. It's our choice, isn't it? Do I choose to be real or plastic? It's our choice. A pastor had gone to O'Hare to fly out about two weeks before Christmas. And they got a nice storm in O'Hare, in Chicago. you imagine an airport that's got six concourses? Thousands of planes going through it, and all of a sudden there's an ice storm and nobody's going anywhere. He said people are at the at the airline desk yelling and screaming when they were gonna go. There are people just, you know, angry and dejected, sitting in all the chairs. He said there were some that just kinda given up and gone to the bars. He said, I was so frustrated and angry. He said, I had to be in Dallas, Texas tomorrow to, to speak. And he said, How can the gospel be preached in Texas when the weather won't cooperate in Chicago? So he said, I'm sitting there angry and frustrated and not knowing what to do, hearing all this cacophony of noise. He said, Across from me was a middle aged black lady laughing and laughing and laughing, holding her little boy and just laughing and playing with him. And he said, Honestly, it made me angry how in the world can this lady be laughing with all of this that's going on around us? He said, she stopped and saw me staring at her. And she, sa- and she smiled. He said, ma'am, I have to ask you, how in the world can you laugh in the midst of this chaos? chaos. And she said, it's Christmas. Jesus is coming and he makes me laugh. You got it? Jesus is here. And he'd give us his joy. People who thrive just rejoice in the days made. It doesn't surprise Jesus when there's a nice storm in Chicago. He didn't say, wow, I didn't see that coming. He didn't say that. And if you're in the midst of it, you've got all these issues, just think, okay, wow, well, I'm just going to thrive and celebrate Jesus today. I don't know what's going on. I don't understand, but wow, praise God anyway, right? That's what people who thrive do. People that are plastic, they sit in their chairs and stew or get angry or yell at somebody or whatever, right? I choose to be real. I choose to live. I choose to thrive. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. And thank you, Lord, that you came to give us life and to thrive. To let us be vibrant and living and victorious in this world. Not that, Father, at times our leaves won't droop and our blossoms fall off. Not at times, Lord, that we don't need a little extra water or fertilizer or sunlight. But, Father, to know you know all that and at work in our lives and will give it to us just at the right time. And, Father, forgive me for those moments where I kind of get plastic because I don't want to be hurt or wounded. I just want to be safe and comfortable. Help us all, Lord, to take the risk of growing and thriving in you. We thank you for this day, O Lord, in Jesus' name.